my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, we've got a special guest today, haven't we? We have indeed, Dave. We've got our great friend, Mr. Glyn Davis. Welcome to the show, Glyn, again. Hi, guys. You okay? Yeah, good to have you on, mate. Now, this week, as one of our Patreons, and uh, you've, you've wanted us to do this for a while, we needed you to come on and uh, do the review with us. But what are we going to review, mate? Uh, it's got two names, actually. Uh, it's called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. And I think it's also known as Remo Williams, Unarmed and Dangerous in some countries as well. Oh, nice. Like, almost like the No Issue, No Surrender saga, where it's got about five different names, depending on what part of the world you're in. <laughs> similar, similar to that, just not as shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's come out firing. Come out firing. He's gone do, for do, you know, Glenn, do you know why the second name? Because I, I couldn't find any information about it anywhere. I don't, because, I mean, I only remember the film ever being called Remo when I was trying to find it in the last sort of six months. I was looking up Remo, I went on IMDb, seen that it didn't call just Remo, it was Remo Williams. Then I, when I was on Google, it gave me that other name as well, so I don't know why. There is a, an Indian film, I think, called Remo. I don't know whether they renamed it for that reason. When you Google Remo, it brings up an Indian film first. It's, it, right. it's, it's interesting because to be honest, Glenn, this would have been right up my wheelhouse years ago. I, I, I honestly don't know why I never rented this in the video shop because it's my sort of DNA movie. You know, the, the old martial arts stuff and and the, the whole sort of mo- sort of modern era for its time. That's it's perfectly up my street. Um, I can't reveal what I think of it now. Like we'll get into that, but at, at the time, I, I genuinely don't know. I've, I've never seen the cover. Looking at the VHS covers when I was researching, I was thinking I've never seen this in a video shop. So I, I honestly don't know why it's bypassed me. The main memory I have of it is uh, me and my brother. My brother's like fifty-one. I'm forty. Forty-one this year, and we put it on for my wife, who's sort of just dating. And she hated every second of it, but we made a sit through the both of us. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, it's classically eighties, isn't it? I mean, we said before we came on. I I think that I might have seen this. Um, just a lot of the beats are very similar, though, aren't they? To that kind of mid eighties trope, you know, the facial reconstruction surgery, you know, to basically sh- give them a shave. <laughs> The uh, casual, insensitive racism. You know, this is all classic mid-80s stuff, and there's just something that feels familiar about it. And I'd say with with our comics podcast, we have a a group where, you know, we have lots of people and we sort of say, you know, what we've got coming up and stuff like that. And we mentioned, I think, Chris, you mentioned about Remo Williams and Steve, one of the uh, self-professed nerd Yoda, and uh, straight away, like within a few seconds, he come back and said, unarmed and dangerous, you know? So, so I think Steve's a bit of a fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had a conversation with someone. It might have been, Steve. Obviously, through you guys, I speak to a lot of the other people that listen to you. And I think it was Steve that come back straight away. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. 
It's, it's interesting, you know, because I don't know if you guys, you say about the name Unarmed and Dangerous. Have you ever seen a film with John Candy? We loved it as a kid and uh, Eugene Levy, Armed and Dangerous. I definitely remember, recognize the name, but I don't think I remember any of the movie. Yeah, we used to love it as a kid. It was it was a bit like a almost like a police academy type movie. They both sort of become cops. I haven't watched it for years, but we used to love it. There's a bit at the end with John Candy's like, I'm gonna kick some out, and he goes off on this bike, and he's probably terrible now. But I think it was just before he did Plane Chains and Automobiles. But yeah, it's one of the mates he's moved. We'll probably have to do it at some point day. But I I just because of the name, Unarmed and Dangerous, I don't know if it was like something they couldn't change it to. Because really, Armed and Dangerous would be a pretty good film. But like I say, he wasn't using any weapons. But yeah, he's such a... That's <laughs> his whole point. He's a fucking Neo-style ninja with no uh, gun. <laughs> he can't I, be I mean, Armed I, and Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best here, Dave. Don't be giving that nonsense. Right, so... Before we get into it, Glenn, and obviously our friendship's going to pivot on what I think of this film. Shall we get into our trailer? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fucking armed and dangerous. Doesn't have a gun. Fuck off, Dave. Right, go on. America's top security experts have chosen this man. Don't take any chances, this guy's a killer. For a special mission. But first, he's got to pass one little test. Speak English. Does your nightingale sing? Hold it! He moved like a baboon. With two club feet. Oh. However, I think I can do something with him. Goodbye, Mr. Crow. Who's he? No more Boy Scouts. Take a look at this. High altitude reconnaissance probe. Yes, we make that. There is none. Doesn't exist. These men will rob America of her might. He won't be with us for much longer. Unless someone relax can stop them. Concentrate! This age, no time for prayer. Remo Williams. The adventure begins. What are you watching? Your country's one contribution to the art. It's a soap opera. It is apparent to me that you know less than nothing. Place your hands behind your head. I did not say keep them there. Before he's through, he'll learn to move faster than a bullet. Excellent. Not bad. Hear the heartbeat of an enemy. Trying to need to borrow him for a while. And leave no footprints in the sand. Some joker walks into one of my plants, snoops around, walks right out again, and now you're telling me he doesn't exist. Across town, the man has found his head blown off. Perfect action. And you're telling me he's going to get away with it, huh? And we can't stop him? You can stop him, son. It'll be my pleasure. Now, based on the Destroyer novel series that sold over 30 million copies, America's favorite tough guy comes to the screen. 
in a movie big enough to hold him. Remo Williams. The adventure begins. We start off, we've got Sam Makin, and he's a tough Brooklyn, New York City street cop who's from that Vietnam era of the Marine Corps. Now, he's unwillingly recruited for this uh, organization called Cure by basically simulating or faking his own death and then giving him a new face and a new name, Remo Williams. Now, Glenn, I'm going to come to you first. What do you make to the opening of this movie? I'm trying now. I'm trying to remember. Did they, they killed him, didn't they? It was actually them that, that killed him at the start. Or yeah, or <laughs> it was the the. It was the black guy, wasn't it? And he he was the one driving behind him in the in the car. In fact, he, he gets the he gets those workmen, doesn't he, to basically suddenly become cop killers, <laughs> and then drive him off the edge of the pier. I mean, I've been through some tough recruitment processes. But, <laughs> Glenn, <laughs> I'm sure in your days as a bouncer, there was some sort of uh, test you've got to do. But let, this is a different level. I've got to say though, his moustache is on point, and and I think I was I was researching him. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a film with Alec Baldwin, but Fred Ward produced a movie, and I had this on an ex rental. I had it for years, and it was called Miami Blues. Have you used to have seen that at all? TV it's a film called Miami Blues. Um, maybe I don't know. It's it's an early nineties one, ninety one. Alec Baldwin's like an ex con, and he's an absolute, just an absolute psycho in it. But Fred Ward's, I think the cop in it, he was going to play Alec Baldwin's character. So when I'd seen Fred Ward in this, I'm thinking, I remember where he's always a bad guy in my eyes. It's, I genuinely think for this movie, and I'm sorry, I think he's completely miscast. I don't think he's a lead uh, goodie. He's a good baddie in a lot of films that I've seen, without a doubt. However. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We, we have face-off, don't we? We've got John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. And then, you know, they swap the faces. Obviously, we know they're the same people, but they swap it. You know, you've got different things. You know, Mission Impossible, they change the whole face and he pulls it off. You know, Ethan uh, Hunt pulls the stuff off. In this one, they, t- they give him a shave, like you said, Dave. And it's the same <laughs> guy. But he's like, what have you done to my face? And he's holding his nose. And I'm like, but you don't look any different here at all, Remo, than what I've seen. I thought it was hilarious, Glim. Not in a, not in, in my usual shitty way, but I was actually laughing, thinking, he just looks the same. Have I missed something here? That shocked me, because I thought it was two different actors when I, when I watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Stop leaning forward, Glenn. You're scaring me. Every time he looks... Glenn's got his camera on here. He looks great. He looks like he's going to absolutely decimate me and Dave if he's playing this film. When you start to get critical, Chris, he's going to lean right in. Yeah, he's going to in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Fred, Fred Ward obviously went on to Tremors from here, didn't he? So he did have yeah. a... He did some decent films after this one. Oh, he did quite a lot. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's about mid-40s in this, but I, I just... The one thing I'll give him credit for, and I will say this, Glenn, I don't know if you've, you've seen this, he does 19, literally 99% of the stunts, So, and, and he does yeah. do them. He does, and you can clearly see that when he's climbing on stuff and everything. Obviously, when he's on the, the big wheel and that, I'm sure that he's, he's attached to it. But when he's on the edge of that wall in New York with, with his mentor... And that's him. I've read all about him. He said he did licks all his stunts. You've got to give him credit for that. That is uh, outstanding, to be honest. 
what I read, it did say that he was he did the fairground thing. I don't know whether he was strapped on, but he did hold on to the bottom of the Ferris wheel. Bloody hell. He was fit then, wasn't he, to do all that? You've got to be physically strong to do something like that. Um, and I'm sure they didn't do that in one or two takes. But yeah, that, that, I will give him complete props for that because I think that's uh, fantastic. And I know it's the Tom Cruise type stuff before Tom Cruise started doing it. And I believe... Like with Tom Cruise, who did it first? Someone, oh, it was uh, Patrick Swayze. When Patrick Swayze did the skydives and stuff in Point Break, that's when Tom Cruise was like, oh, I'm not having that because they were good friends from um, this show they did years ago. And he's like, I can't have that. I've got to do my own. And that's where the rivalry came because Swayze always did his own stunts pretty much all the time. So this, this Fred Ward super, you know, precedes all these. So you've got to give him credit for that because they don't usually let you do anything. I was expecting 18 like, uh, stunt doubles, but it's him in loads of the scenes. He's, he's really athletic. They've got to have had him strapped onto that big wheel, though. Surely. I, I, I appreciate him. Go on, Glenn. The research didn't go into detail. It just said that he was actually hanging onto the bomb. It didn't say whether or not he was strapped on, but he definitely did that stuff. That, yeah. that is a guy who is confident in his forearms. I, I just think even a stunt guy, mind you, it's the mid-80s, isn't it? So, I don't know, maybe they're just like, yeah, yeah, you want to give it a go? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to give him credit. I, that, that's one thing I will give him credit for because I kept watching it after the... I knew that before I watched the movie and I was like, holy shit, he's obviously a tough guy to do that. I mean, I think he's late 70s now, but... Yeah, I just think he's a little bit out of place. However, that is brilliant. And and what what I will say is the guy who, the Inspector Gadget guy who takes over as as he's like, you know, I'm in charge with his, he's got a fucking um, Inspector Clouseau outfit on, and he and the hat and everything. He's pretty, uh, <laughs> Peter Sellers, isn't he, pretty much? It's when Remo comes out of the hospital and nicks the, the ambulance, and he, he appears in the back of the ambulance with the gun. And <laughs> I'm like, well, how have you got in there so quick because there was some guy that he would taken out on a gurney a minute ago. There's loads of daft little leaps in this. I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed watching it because I just thought it was, it was like watching a, an episode of the A-Team at times. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I said to you before like we started doing this, it did held up to me. I thought it was going to be awful because obviously it's 80s and everything else, but I seem to have a bit of a thing going for dodging bullets. I had the last movie, Corsa's in his teeth, and then this one, he's just walking along dodging them. <laughs> the one in the teeth, though, Glenn, you can't be that. The teeth, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. That is amazing. But what I think as well is when you watch this, and, he, and obviously he ends up going to see his mentor, uh, Chun, and I said to Dave, Glenn, just before you come in, before we start recording, I didn't realise he's... he's I didn't. I did realize when I was watching. It. At first, I thought he was Asian, and he obviously isn't. He's American, but you know, he, he's the dad of. No, he's Jennifer Grey's dad. He's Joel Grey. He's Chun, the, the Asian guy allegedly, but he's Jennifer Grey, Dirty Dancing's dad. So that was a bit of a little pop culture reference there. It's, it's your doppelganger, Chris, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what the nose? Fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, I don't. I don't know how I missed that link with the surname. Didn't look into it. I usually look into stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, Glenn, I only literally looked into it this evening, just about 20 minutes before we come on. But yeah, what a, a reference I've got to say, though. That Asian makeup they've got on him, and I know you'd said to me, Dave, they won awards for it. Fucking hell, it's terrible, isn't it? It's proper. <laughs> you look at it now, it's proper racist, but that's the way they went years ago. But yeah, I this whole training thing with Chun is amazing because I think it's fucking rubbish. But it, it's just... <laughs> He dodges bullets better than Neo. I've never seen anything like it. I just think it's amazing that they use these generic, well, he's not even Asian, but the generic Asian guys are just masters of everything, aren't they? It's brilliant. 
It's his facial expressions. It's yeah. uh, Remo's facial expressions when he dodges them. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. And he's just there, isn't he? Like, everything's choreographed. There's one bit where Remo goes to shoot him in the head. And he, like, moves and starts sort of dancing and turns. He's like, well, Remo could just chin you now. But he doesn't. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. So, 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 hang on. This, this is a bit one-sided, this. Because I, I think I fall a little bit more on the middle. Because, like I say, for me, there was something familiar about it. But I couldn't actually remember it. Couldn't remember where it went when it seemed to go from this kind of gritty cop drama to this this weird kind of karate kid montage type thing with uh you know the guy made up to be korean i i I just thought it was a bit strange but i don't think it was terrible now i think if if you look at other movies that came out in 85 you've got the likes of commando rocky four back to the future I know we all love that. Breakfast Club, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. So for me, this doesn't hold up against movies like that. But that's like your top echelon type movies. I think for a TV type movie, I I think this holds up okay, apart from the casual racism and the whole (laughs) Hollywood... (laughs) It's <laughs> a fucking terrible defense, that isn't it? The whole Hollywood whitewashing, you know, just fucking cast someone who's from Korea if you if you want to bloody uh, have a Korean actor. But but apart from that, I thought it was okay. But I was going to come to you, Gling. So, what are the main things you liked about it? Until I rewatched this in the last week, I remembered him being Korean. So the makeup, obviously, as a kid, I wouldn't have noticed. But I thought he was Korean from like when I used to watch it, but. I, I don't know, I just, because it's nostalgic, it's, it's, I think I even enjoyed it on my recent rewatch. I think it's a nostalgia that makes me like it. And I just think it's a good sort of trading montage film. It's just on par with a lot of the 80s films because, I mean, Breakfast Club, I'm going to get hate mail now, but I think Breakfast Club is awful. I don't know what anybody thinks, what anybody okay. likes about that movie. Glenn, don't you worry, my friend. Me and Dave have just been talking about upcoming movies and it is in the diary at some point. I've never seen it. And you know full well, if I've never seen it, I am going to go big time on it. So don't worry. <laughs> we might be on the same well, page on that one. I think it's the same thing as you said, Chris, because I watched it as an adult and never watched it as a kid. I just thought yeah. it was awful. Yeah, yeah. And I said that to you, when we did uh, Weird Science and stuff like that. I got pelters for it. And I know I've never seen the Goonies properly. And I know you've called me out on that, Glenn, but you, and Dave has. But at the end of the day, you're right. When you watch, I'm 41, so you're watching it now, like at our age, and it doesn't have the same effect. Whereas Ferris Bueller, I loved as a kid. I've watched it loads of times, but we reviewed it and I hated it this time. I don't know why. And I loved that film as a kid. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on our Comics Emotion podcast doing co- uh, the Comics on Trial against Scott from uh, the 20th Century Geek uh, this week, I'm recording it, and uh, we're doing Ghostbusters. He lo- he's part of the Ghostbusters fan club and everything, and I had a picture at the Ghostbusters house at Christmas when we were in New York and everything. I loved it as a kid. When we reviewed it, as you know, I hated it. I just really, so I'm going for him tomorrow. I've got, I've got a full def- a full attack on him tomorrow, Glenn, so Scott's proper going to, uh, we're going to duke it out, I think. But I agree, you watch it when you're older, it doesn't have the same effect. And I honestly think if I'd watched this as a kid, I'd have enjoyed this, definitely. I'm on Scott's side with the Ghostbusters thing, so... <laughs> You've already called me out on Twitter now, yeah. Now, question, Glenn, have you watched Ghostbusters recently, though? Yeah, I've had it on for me, kids, in the last few years, definitely. 
See, I I think, and, and we don't want to tip Scott off too much, but I think there's a good defense that, that Chris is going to, or attack prosecution that Chris is going to put up there. Peter Venkman is a massive fucking sex pest. <laughs> well, <laughs> just... Definitely, but that, that's just an 80s thing, isn't it? They're all getting yeah. caught out now. Yeah, 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 it's true, Glenn. Because I, I said to Dave when we did it, and you probably heard it. I love Peter Venkman. I love the cartoons. I love them. You know, the Ghostbusters. I loved it. I watched it so many times, and I'd not seen it for ages. And when we reviewed it, I was like, "Oh, this is fucking rubbish," you know. But, but I, I feel bad because it has so many good memories. That was something I had on a, a loop at my nan's. I'd watched the Ghostbusters, Superman two, Star Wars. They were all on a loop. And the only others stand up, like Dave always goes mad at me about Superman 2, why I love it so much. But I just love that movie. A bit like what you said about you, Remo here or any other movie that you love. I, I have a blindness towards smoking the bandit. I know full well like it's, it's of its time. And like you just said, there's loads of racism in that movie at times. It really is. But it's just, I love the car. I love the movie. You can't sway me. So I think it's just one of them. If something hits with you, uh, it does. And I, you know me, I'm either one or the other. I'm never in the middle. I'm either love it or I absolutely fucking hate it. And 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 um, I don't know about this. I think as we're talking about it, I think you're both putting up a good argument. And not just because it's 2v1. I think, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination. You know what I mean? Not not at all. And uh, obviously, I don't want either of you slagging off No Shit, No Surrender ever again because it's just an amazing trilogy. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I mean, ever again. <laughs> I don't think I ever stopped. But um. <laughs> what, what I will say again I, I'm going to try and sway you a bit more here Chris so what the guys were going for uh, like the producers of this movie they were trying to go for a whole James Bond franchise type of thing so they hired Christopher Wood as, as a writer so he did uh, The Spy Who Loved Me he also did uh, Moonraker uh, they got Guy Hamilton in as the director who'd done Live and Let Die and Diamonds of Forever uh, he'd also done uh, Man with the Golden Gun Goldfinger. So this is like, you know, if you're trying to spin off a James Bond type of franchise, these are the kind of guys you want to get in there. Now, they hadn't worked directly together before, but that's what they were trying to do. Now, for me, it, it doesn't hit the mark. You don't have some of the some of the classic things that you have with Bond movies. I don't think the music is particularly memorable. You don't have a, a Bond girl. I mean, you basically got Captain Janeway in there from Voyager, haven't you? Yeah. Who, let's face it, you know, I, I love Voyager, but she ain't a Bond girl. You know, you don't have a really great villain. So those are three things that, you know, if you if you stand back far enough, you need to have those in a Bond movie, don't you? But you can see yeah. that that's what they're going for. You know, you know, I agree with that, Dave. I completely, I think you're right. And I think as well, what you said, Glenn, is very uh, interesting because it is a karate kid type situation. You know, uh, kickboxer, you know, the, the same scenario. They all go and see the Asian martial artists to get better, don't they, at things. And obviously, Remo is a tough guy. He takes out them guys at the start, then he has a fight with three of them and kicks the shit out of them. Well, they give him a bit of a kick, but he levers him in the end. So... It's showing that he's got that sort of uh, intentional fortitude, that, that grittiness to his character. Um, just a little side note, guys. Oh, you know, there's a character in it called Red, and I can't remember him, but he's played by uh, Gene LaBelle. I don't know if you know, I've said Gene LaBelle before, Dave. I don't know if you remember who he is. Oh, you know who he is, Glenn. Uh, which guy was that? Gene LaBelle. He played a character called Red in this movie. I don't know who that is, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. The name rings a bell, but I can't. Actually, think it. 
Well, Gene LaBelle is nicknamed the godfather of grappling, Dave. World-class martial artist, uh, judo, everything. He taught Bruce Lee a lot of jiu-jitsu stuff. Uh, but Gene LaBelle is the guy who Steven Seagal, in one of his movies, said couldn't choke Steven Seagal out. And the, the myth goes, I don't know if you've heard this one, Glenn, the myth goes that Steven Seagal said to him, I'll let you choke me out because you're not going to choke me out because of his Tai Chi bollocks. And uh, Gene LaBelle choked him out, and uh, Mr. Seagal shit his pants, and that's a true story, I believe. So, yeah. You know what? I think I've heard Joe Rogan tell that story. Yeah, I think he has. It's a well-known story about Seagal, that. Yeah, fucking Seagal. Even Seagal <laughs> just needs to retire. He's fucking <laughs> You know what, Glenn? We're needs to retire? <laughs> We're doing under seed soon, mate. Fucking <laughs> hell, he's terrible. <laughs> I love that movie, but I mean, obviously, I know now that all his martial arts are bollocks, but I do like yeah. under siege. It's funny, Bull, you know, Glenn. Bullshido. Bullshido. <laughs> when you, when I'm the same as you, when he used to go on about him and stuff like that, I used to think, oh, he's a fucking master. And then when I actually started doing MMA and I grew up thinking karate was the be all and end all, it doesn't be anything than a punch on the jaw. You know what I mean? Like karate is pretty much useless in a street fight. So, so it's like, and you've obviously done this, but you know, you did it as a career. So, you know, yourself with the bouncing and that. Um, and, and I believed all that. And then you watch his demonstrations. They just fall over. It's like them guys who use the Tai Chi stuff and they put the hand up and about six people fall over around him. It's comical to watch, but it's the fact that the people doing it with them are falling as if they've been hurt. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I mean, you know better than me, Glenn. I mean, that's why I, I grew up thinking karate was the be all and end all and it just isn't, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, Krav Maga is probably one of the best for door work and stuff doing that I've done that, stuff. yeah. I've done that, and it's it's fucking horrible. <laughs> it's good, that, yeah. I tried. I tried MMA with one of my mates who's a doorman. He's about six foot eight, so he's bigger than me. I'm six five, and I didn't mind all the punching and all the kicking, but the rolling around on the floor, I just couldn't get my head around it. It was just weird because I was rolling on top of him and stuff. I couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, I, I've been, you know what though, Glenn, I, I've been uh, choked out a few times for that. There are a couple of guys I trained with, like great boxers and stuff, and they were like. A bit of, I love jiu-jitsu, I loved it, but I ended up knackering my shoulder up when you're in, you know, and the, you're trying to get, all I was doing was defending, I could not submit anyone to save my life, it literally was, I was just trying by strength, keep the guys who were smaller than me off me, but eventually they'd get you, because they know exactly what to do on the floor, but you would never use that, you would never go to ground, would you, in a real life situation, that's the worst thing you can do, most of it, if there's no, more than one person. Always avoid getting on the ground, that's the, that's the, that's the best thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, or run. <laughs> leg that it. was my tactic. Yeah, yeah leg it, Glenn, leg it. It doesn't work if you're working on the door, but uh... no, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's all right. They, they usually walk it backwards when you're on the door. Anyway, they usually walk it backwards, kicking off on you. So yeah, but... <laughs> I'll get you next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of uh, old bullshido and um, whatever, and Steven Seagal, so. The, the martial art that Chun teaches Remo is the Korean martial art of Sinaju, which, of course, is made up bollocks. But apparently, when a lot of the lead actors were, were auditioning for this part, they claimed to be proficient in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I thought was brilliant. That, that'd be you, wouldn't it, Chris? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be me. Fucking, I've done that. Fucking yeah. black belt, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fought in tournaments and everything. No, you haven't. Stop lying. No, you haven't. Yeah, that'd be me. But yeah, I think this is a this is a bit of a Pat Morita job, isn't it, as well? Because old Joel Gray, not only was he not Korean, um, but he didn't know any martial arts whatsoever as well. <laughs> so I thought that was class. Uh, I think he's good. I think as well... One of the bits of the movie is the fucking General Zod bit where Remo's getting chased around the Statue of Liberty and he's there going, getting chased and all of a sudden they just pay off these random builders because it's been renovated. And um, they just turn cop killer. They turn killer, don't they? Just know where he drops them 20 quid and they decide they're going to try and throw him <laughs> off the Statue of Liberty. But it's when he runs over the cement. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm not having it. He pays those builders off, those random builders off, but then later on, the guy with the diamond in his tooth kicks him and says, that's for me, mate, to Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Glenn, here's one for you. The guy with the diamond tooth, and I said this to Dave, so Dave probably know it, but do you know, um, he's a baddie in one of my favourite films, uh, martial arts I, I, film. I recognise him, I just didn't, I couldn't place him, and I haven't looked at I haven't had as much time to research, I'm back. Still working six days a week, so I've not had time to look like I usually do. Oh, no, no, it's all right. I mean, I, kn- I knew who he was straight away, but about four years later, five years later, he's the Sandman out of Death Warrant, which is my favorite Van Damme film, the one in the prison. Uh-huh. And he's, he's uh-huh. the, uh, the killer in it. I love that film. But yeah, that's him. He's got a weird face, that guy. Now, I do have another bit of trivia for you. So when I was looking into this movie, so again, I wonder if this contributed to a little bit of the the writing not quite being on point like the some of the bond movies i mentioned but the actual statue of liberty was undergoing some renovation at the time and so you know they they were like oh well let's use that (laughs) so that was never in the original script it was just like an opportunist thing that it was undergoing renovation so it's like all right well let's let's do some shooting there and then they shot um they they made up a re- replica in Mexico as well to to do some extra film in there for like the close up shots and stuff, but again I I thought that was a nice little kind of story of just you know how long it takes to make movies and you get script rewrites over and over again and script doctors and everything whereas that was just like ah oh, right this this scene's available Let, let's go and shoot there. I think the movie about broke even if I remember I think the budget was about thirty million. And it grossed about thirty million, roughly. I can't remember. You guys might have checked it out, but I don't remember. But it didn't make much money. It was meant to be a TV series, but they only made the pilot. I think. You know what, though, Glenn? Sorry, Dave. I'm going to talk then. I, I, think... I was just sorry. I was just going to say it was fourteen point four million uh, that it made at the box office, but I can't find its budget anywhere. No, I might mean, have made some of the video, but I, but I will say, it, this would have been perfect for a sort of weekly show, wouldn't it? This this definitely could have worked, I think. Definitely more than a movie for me. I think the pilot's called Remo to Prophecy or Remo Williams to Prophecy or something, but it's only one episode. Is it Fred Ward, Glenn? No, I don't think it is. I've I've never watched it. I, I tried to I tried to get the guys that I got Remo from to try and find it for me, but they've not been able to find it, so I don't know whether it's on YouTube. It might be 
could be, you know, these they are stuff like that, aren't they? A lot of the stuff we've done, the watch-alongs are on there as well, which is quite interesting. But, <laughs> I mean, come on, you've both skated over it now. Are we talking about this cement section? Come on, I want honest <laughs> opinions. There's no way. Only General Zod can do that. I'm sorry. I think the water was even better, though. He <laughs> 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 was running along the water. I, I was just about to say that cement's slightly more believable than running across the lake. <laughs> I think he did it, did he? he um, oh, what's he called? A magician. The young lad from uh, the Yorkshire lab. What's he called? Um, he did it in London. Dynamo. Dynamo did it, didn't he? Where he walks on water. But uh, you can see when he's running at the end, that Joel Gray, Mr. Chun, whatever he's called. When You can see there's obviously boards there or something. But Right, <laughs> so let's have a little chat now. So some of the, the martial arts stuff is not that bad, actually. Fred Ward's pretty good. You've got like this, uh, this girl. She's one of the... Um, Major inches, a major Raina Fleming, she's called. She's like sort of the love interest. Um, and she's there in the background getting accused of all different things and they get captured and that. And it's when he's trying to do the roundhouses, obviously. Fred Ward is a fit guy. I've got complete respect for him in this movie, as I said before. I mean that. I'm not just saying it. I genuinely do think what he does in it is good. But I can't get away from the bullet thing. The bullet thing is the Matrix before it's time. But I just can't get away from that scene when when uh, Remo has got to dodge the bullets. I think it's just, I had to rewind it. I was like, this is amazing. It's just like, what is going on here? Now, Glyn, your opinion on this, because obviously I know you like it. I'm trying not to be a complete um, see you next Tuesday. I, but... I genuinely like I haven't watched this film for about 10 years and I remembered almost every scene, scene by scene. So, the bullet, the bullet dodging. I think, I think that might be the only thing I didn't really remember. But as soon as it started happening, it come back to me that the, the guy teaches him to do it, and then he's doing it at the end. The water thing I remembered straight away, running across the water. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. And I think as well with the water thing, what makes me laugh is he walks across the water, across the water, and the whole army were chasing him. They just look in disbelief, like, "All right, well, we're not going to shoot him now or arrest him. We're just going to watch this old bloke do a runner." And we're not going to chase after him now. I just found that as a leap ridiculous. But I think, I think it's great, like just to see the eighties in action and some of the things. And I think you're right. The, the fact that he's trying to be a James Bond type thing. I think the movie, the, the musical score, is very in keeping with the Indiana Jones James Bond type stuff. It, it's a formula they were trying for. But I honestly think Fred Ward isn't good enough to carry a franchise like that. I just don't think he's a lead character. You guys must have noticed that he didn't run across the lake. He just cut the corner off, so the army could have just gone round and got him anyway. <laughs> I didn't see that, Glenn. No, I didn't. It's amazing. He's just literally, it's, it's obviously a circular shape or an oval shape, and he just runs across the corner. <laughs> but that's, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we've just done Scream 3, haven't we? Oh, God. And, and there's something about movies where if someone goes out of where, out of shot from the camera, that's it. They've disappeared. So there's a scene where Ghostface rolls underneath the car and everyone's like, ah, oh, thank fuck for that. You know, he's gone. Oof. You know, we live for another day. And it's like, don't be ridiculous. He's somewhere in the vicinity. He is less than 50 yards away from you, probably. And so I, I think a lot of movies suffer from that same thing. But I've got to say, that bullet dodging thing looked horrendous. But in, in a horrendous way that Samurai Cop was for me. 
So yeah. I think, you know, I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying the the levels of terribleness, if that was a word, are on the level of Samurai Cop because I do think, you know, the cinematography is pretty good. But when he's dodging the bullets, it just looks ridiculous. Now, if I'm a kid and I'm watching this in 85, 86 sort of time, I am lapping this up. But having watched it in 2020, when, you know, we're, we're 20 years, 21 years past the Matrix, where we had the whole bullet time thing, it just looks terrible. And it, it's, not, it's not just where he, he sort of dodges it, where he kind of shuffles to the left. I think that's okay, and that's, that's forgivable for, for the mid-80s. But it's when he's, he's twizzling around or something. It's like he's doing a little school dance. (laughs) He's playing musical chairs or something like that. Honestly, I think that looks horrendous. But I had so much fun because it looks so bad. The worst thing about it is obviously the actors are listening for the bang to then react to it. So there's a slight (laughs) delay where they'd have definitely been shot because they're, they're too slow to move out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is, you know, Glenn. It's not this. It's the, it's a great idea in concert, and obviously, I know the Matrix is, you know, it's thirteen years later that come out, or fourteen years later, and a completely different world, and and everything. It's more, you know, um, computer generated as they live in a computer generated world and all that. So, so that is a different perspective of the bullet dodge stuff. And I remember playing the game Max Payne on PS2. I absolutely love that bullet dodging stuff because it was just the Matrix pretty much. I think it came out around about 2001, 2002. Love that first game. You could slow everything down and dodge all the bullets and all that. It isn't necessarily the concept behind it because I think he could go off his sound. He could go off his hearing. Here's the cock of the gun, you know, like the, 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 um, as he's about to press the, the lever or the gun and all that. And I can sort of understand that. But there's no sort of thing where the, he's trying to give him sort of super hearing or something like that. You could sort of believe it. But like you say, it's the delivery of it. It's like when you watch the karate movies and they're doing all that. That fucking movie you made us watch, Dave. Fucking Monkey Shadow. Shadow. And they're doing all that. 1970s classic. Yeah, that absolute nonsense. <laughs> and they're doing all that stupid shimmy go-go stuff with the feet where they're stepping over each other's foot and that. And it's like, just kick the shit out of each other. And then they're just like stepping and dancing. A lot of it looks like dancing. You're right, Dave. I think it, it looks great, though. When you're watching, you're just like, holy shit. You know, but I think the, the, the idea behind it, I can buy. It just, unfortunately, it doesn't come off. And I don't think... Sad, like you said about the, the whitewashing and the, the racism side of it. The Asian guy does it, looks bad. And then when Remo does it, I'm like, oh, come on. Remo looks hard as nails and he's doing all this nonsense at the end. And then he, But then he walks up to the guy who's shooting him who just doesn't even react to Remo getting closer and closer to him, just disarms him. He's like, okay. And he looks like the worst bad guy ever. He's got a fucking duffel coat on like he's a school teacher. He doesn't look convincing to me. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. What what do you say to that, Glenn? You can swear at me if you want, Glenn. It's the eighties. Come on, all the films are shit in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. There's not many. You know what, Glenn? No, did you hear our um, ET review? I expected me to hate that, and I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't. I've never I seen lo- it. Probably. I, I love the trivia about the radios. I've not got round to watch it again, where they substituted the guns for the radios. But I can't wait to see that because. And they're putting the radios out of the mark when they fly yeah. on. Yeah, that is just unbelievable. But I did enjoy it, Glenn. I, honestly, like you said about some of the 80s stuff, is not aged very well. Um, but 
it genuinely that is a cracking movie that et i was really surprised i enjoyed it and i tried to keep it quiet for dave because dave thought i was going to do the usual and come in i'm sure everyone else did that was going to come in and decimate but i didn't i really really enjoyed it and uh yeah it's a crack i mean like when we did last boy scout i wasn't sure how that'd be received i love the last boy scout but again i can understand why you you didn't mind it at all did you quite enjoyed it but i think it's a great movie but it's just one of them ones where it's an early 90s Bruce Willis. It's just John McClane, isn't it? So I think it's Horses for Courses about sometimes you can be forgiven of a movie because it means something special to you in your life. So you, see, you can forgive anything to do with it. So I understand why you like this because it's something you watched as a kid with your brother. It relates to you and your brother watching it. And I've done that. That's when you know, Surrender comes in for me. It's a fucking terrible movie. But that third one, me and my brother used to rent it out religiously. So I, so I know I can take the mic and it probably is the weakest. Well, I think the second one's actually the worst of the lot. I think it goes one, three and two. The second one is terrible. But the third one for us just is, like you said, Dave, it's a poor man's lethal weapon, Beverly Hills Cop. It's that yeah. sort of vein. But that is because it relates to me and my brother renting movies out. That's why I like it, you see. So I totally get where you're coming from, Glenn. I mean, it, it's definitely the nostalgia that keeps these films alive. Like, I'm trying, I try to get my kids to watch all the 80s movies, but they're too busy with Fortnite and, and all the rest of this computer. So I've never <laughs> been a big gamer, but to get my kids off the computer game to watch a film is almost impossible. Yeah, my, my daughter's like that, Glenn. I mean, she's tw- uh, she's 20 next week. I don't know, well, she's 20 on Monday. And she's been a gamer. I'm a, you know, I say all the time, I'm a massive gamer. PS5 and Xbox are out in less than a month, and I'm all over both of them. I, I, my rooms are donned with gaming stuff, I always say it. But I, I totally understand she won't sit with us and watch anything. I mean, we got the cinema, and she'd watch the Marvel stuff, you know, the Avengers and things like that. Um, and she, she didn't mind them, but anything else, I totally get it. And I think, I think as well, you know, one of the movies I've said to Dave actually about maybe doing, Dave, oh, Dave this could be the movie we've been talking about because we've got our picks coming up in a few weeks. Have you ever seen BMX Bandits with Nicole Kidman? Oh my God, it's tr- I remember. I, thought, I remember it being amazing when I was a kid. Yeah. Boy, yeah. It's garbage now. Oh, you know what, Glenn? I've not. Oh, seen I want it. to do it then. Yeah, I think we should do it. I think I've not. I've not watched it for about twenty years, Glenn. But I remember religiously renting that from the video shop with my martial arts. What's your current worst film you've ever watched, Chris? I can't remember. Um, what, what have we done recently, Dave? It, it was Tank Girl for a while, wasn't Tank it? Tank Girl for a while. No, um, it was something else. You, you absolutely it? hated Mallrats, but you oh, didn't Mallrats. say that was terrible. The yeah, worst I think, I think that seen. is. I think that's the last thing I heard him say was the worst movie ever, Mole Rats. <laughs> yeah, Mole Rats is fucking <laughs> awful. awful. I've not watched any Kevin Smith films. I tried to I tried oh. to watch them because I hear all sorts about them, but I mean, what did I put on? I think I put Clerks on and it's black and white, isn't it? I won't watch anything yeah. that's black and white. I, I tell you what you might want to watch, Glenn. So Brett Scott. Right. Um, so he does a few podcasts. He does Brett Scott Daily. He talks about all sorts of stuff. There's, uh, uh, what was it? The Ambassadors of Quan just started up Marvel Plus as well to follow along with some of the, the new um, stuff coming on the Disney Channel. Uh, Disney Channel? What's it called? Disney app? What, Disney whatever Plus. it is. Disney Plus. Um, he put me onto a Kevin Smith movie called Red State, which I'd never seen before. And it's very, it's, it's like a, it's a horror, but it's not a supernatural thing. And it, it's a little bit Quentin Tarantino. So it came out in 2011, but because it wasn't distributed by the major studios, he distributed it all himself. And uh, it's really good. Watched it yesterday. 
and I was blown away by it. I, I think that's a really good film. So if you're going to start off with Kevin Smith and you can't get behind like the pop culture references and certainly Clerks, you know, I think I, personally, I think Mallrats ages better than Clerks. Um, I think more from listening to you guys, I think Mallrats would probably appeal to me more than I don't sort of get the, the concept of Clerks. I think I probably might enjoy Mallrats. I might give it a go, but. I'd love to know your opinion on that, Glyn, you know, because I fucking hated it. As you know, I absolutely despise that Jason, is it Jason Lee who's the main guy? Oh, yeah, it was his first, first role. But um, so, so here's a question for you guys, right? So, so I think the, the delivery of this is just very mid-80s and it comes across to me like a little bit like the A-team kind of thing and that's what gives it this tv movie yeah. type thing even though it was released at the box office and made some decent money do you think you could make this today and make a decent go of it because it was all based on this uh, destroyer uh, pulp paperback series so you know it's got a good amount of material to go off i, I think the delivery just didn't didn't hit it off in the mid eighties, but you know, you've got this guy, he's kind of accosted, you know, he's given this facial reconstruction surgery and it becomes this kind of undercover spy type of thing. You know, he's trained in the, all the best martial arts. Couldn't you make a go of that if you remake that today? I think with the right team, you could remake most of the old eighties movies. I mean, from what we've been talking about with own stunts and things like that, I think Tom Cruise could probably give this a good go you know you know what Glenn, that's a good point i think you're right both of you i think tom cruise or someone because it is it is very mission impossible like in it james mm. Bond, it, there is something there it could almost be something where they, they you know they could redo this uh completely as a show there's definitely scope for it on a netflix or a prime i i think you're right there you know there is a there is a character there for the modern era that you would definitely get to i mean a bit like what chris hems was just done with the russo brothers annie with that uh, extraction is it that was a great mm-hmm. film i really enjoyed that and that, that is going to create a franchise but it's not too similar to remo williams really i mean tom cruise must be the only hollywood big wig that hasn't done a tv show yet everyone seems to have had a go on a tv show yeah yeah he, he doesn't have to with all his scientology people behind him does he <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. But no, I think I think this has been great. This I think I think there's so many things like we're chatting about this and having a joke and that. This has been a good one, this Glenn, because I think it's a different film. We would never have reviewed this event, put it on. And I know that's what me and Dave try and do. The whole podcast now has just been tips on exactly because we just try. We'll do a few good ones and then we just drop in, as you know, some shit. I'm Dave, I'm stating on the podcast right now, BMX Bandits is coming up for my next pick. <laughs> I'm warning you now, Dave, that BMX Bandits will be the worst movie you've ever seen. Right, we we are <laughs> going to do it. that. And I, I've had it in my back pocket for a little while now. I take your BMX Bandits, Chris, <laughs> and I raise you the Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> Fucking now, have you ever seen it, that? Dave? No, oh, I have actually. I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> once, I think. And I mean once for a reason. But yeah, um, yeah you, let's do you, it. You know those movies where you watch them in the 80s and you think, oh, it's great. And then you go back and watch it and you think, oh, that really wasn't that good. This isn't one of those movies. In the 80s, it was shit. 
You know what, Glenn? We've been talking about not doing shit movies before we recorded and before we got on the podcast, and we straight away we've just fucking gone back to type. It's no, no. So, so, so actually, I, I reckon we should do those after the picks that we talked about before. I don't so, know, so, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> as tempting as it is, but but we we were talking, Glenn. We were saying that we haven't done any. You know, we've we've done a lot of martial arts stuff, a lot of action stuff. Um, we were talking actually about doing something like Goodfellas, weren't we? You know, we've not done done a lot of the, the gangster stuff, but we were talking about doing something completely different, like Dirty Dancing, and uh, also Grease back to back. Chris is in Dirty Dancing, isn't he? You know yeah, it, Glenn. twice. You know it, twice. my friend. Yes, <laughs> he's in yeah, there he's as Patrick and Jennifer let's, Grey. <laughs> let, let's have this out now, Glenn. I think you made a good point because I look more like Jennifer Grey than Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Yeah, but it actually looked like you'd put my face on Jennifer Grey. I hadn't. It was just her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good, it's a very good spot, that Glenn. Very good. Well, I, I, Iron Eagle is my next Patreon next time you have me on. So, oh, Louis Gossett Jr. You know what? I've only ever seen that once. That's a cracking but film. I, I got, think. I got. Uh, I got retweeted by one of the Cobra Kai guys. I can't remember which one because I've spoken to them all. But one of the writers of Cobra Kai, I said something oh, about nice. Iron Eagle because it's in Cobra Kai and he liked it and said, Cobra Kai, Iron Eagle never dies or something. I can't remember exactly what he said to me. But oh, you'll have, have to pull that out of the bag, Glenn. Definitely. Because have you seen Cobra Kai? Oh, yeah, oh, I've love it. Love it. Absolutely love yeah, it, yeah. I've been watching Iron Eagle and he keeps referencing Iron Eagle because he's obviously into the same movies as me as a kid. No, no, honestly, I love I love uh, Cobra Kai. I've only just finished the second series in the last month, you know, actually. I've sat on it for ages. I've only watched the first two episodes, but that went on Netflix. We went right through it. I love it. Yeah, I've just sent off for um, Karate Kid to get signed by most of the guys from Karate Kid. Now I've just spent like 200 quid. I've got Oof. William Zabka's already signing it, Ralph Macchio signing it, Elizabeth Shue's signing it, and Martin Cove signing it. Oh, Glenn, any chance you can get Elizabeth Shue's number? Because I absolutely had a massive crush on her when I was younger, mate. Oh, dear. I think everyone did cocktail and... Yeah, cocktail. No, I wondered where you were going with that. Yeah. Oh, honestly. <laughs> she, she, cocktail again. And, then, and and the one about... Um, did you ever watch The Secret Adventures of a Babysitter, is it? I, used, I watched that. I've, I've, oh, yeah. I think, I've, I think I've looked it up since. I've heard it mentioned a few times. I've never watched it, so I have looked it up. I haven't watched it yet, though. Yeah, I had a massive crush, crush on her. From Ali, a karate kid, that was it for me, all the way through the 18th. I, I only discovered in the last five years that she wasn't the girl in the first Back to the Future. I don't think it's ever dawned on me that it's a different girl in the first Back to the Future until I got older. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, it is. And, and genuinely, the one who played the original one, she was having some health problems, but um, she must be late 50s now. And I saw a picture of her. She's still a really good-looking girl, the original Jennifer. I told you, didn't I, Chris? I, she was at um, London Comic Con. Comic Con, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, show, she yeah. did look lovely. And I, I definitely had the impression that that there was something romantic with her and Michael J. Fox. It was definitely something that came across there. Yeah, but definitely. I, I, I must admit, I'm with you, Glenn. I, I, I didn't really realize that it was two different actresses, but I think Back to the Future did a, a pretty good job, didn't they? Um, you know, in trying to hide the fact that they were changing actors, because obviously there was that whole landmark case with um, Crispin Wells, wasn't there? Uh, not Crispin Glover. Wells. Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover. Where, where they made up the new actor to basically look like Crispin Glover. 
and then you know there's there's all these new kind of rules around you you can't do that in hollywood anymore yeah because the same thing with christopher glover i didn't realize he wasn't in the sequels till sort of recently when i when i mean i, I i've spoke to jeffrey wiseman on twitter and stuff and i know obviously he played him in the other in the sequels but i didn't know that until the last sort of year or so you know what? I think my geek in this, and this isn't to sort of one up either of you, but I knew both of them, especially Elizabeth Shue, because of the big crush I had on her. But the <laughs> Jasper Wiseman one I knew because it was such a shame with Crispin Glover, because I think he was great in the first one. I know Michael J. Fox was the whole movie, but he made the first one as well. He was great as George McFly, the laugh, everything about him, the awkwardness of his character. And I mean, I've seen loads of interviews with him, guys, as well. And, and he still holds so much bitterness towards the, the franchise. He really does. And it's a shame because he, I know a lot of people say he's out there a lot, but he hasn't aged really. He must be like late 50s now, at least 60 odd. And he, he just looks, he still looks as slick as he did in the uh, mid 80s. That was a way to kill it, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> anyway. No, he does. I mean, to be honest, he, he was a great actor though, wasn't he? But you can just imagine he's one of these tortured genius types that's just a fucking nightmare to work with. So, you know, I, 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 I think all three of us share a love of Back to the Future, don't we? And, and in that first movie, he was a phenomenal peeping Tom. Yeah, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> He's a peepee Tom. Yeah, it's such a good film. Amazing film. But anyway, this one isn't Glenn that you've made us review today. But anyway, no, I'm joking. So, Glenn, thanks for coming on today. We've got to get into our review. So, you guys ready to go for your scores? Yeah. So, Glenn, as our guest, and, um, you know, you've you put this one on us, mate. And, it, and I, I don't think it's turned out as bad as I thought, to be fair. We've had a good laugh with this, and we've had plenty of segues off and different movies in that. So are you ready to give your score, mate? Yeah, I think, I think so. I'm going uh, to give it... What's the top one? Sorry, it's, it's not the top one, but it's, well, the top one's not Pleasantville, is it? I think this is a Pleasantville for me. Is that the second one? Yeah, second. Cloud City's the top one. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm going to give it a Pleasantville because, as I say, I remembered it scene for scene, and I've not seen it in about ten years, so it's obviously held it held a place in my heart as well for me to remember the scenes from ten years ago. And obviously, me and my brother used to watch it together, which which makes it that bit more nostalgic for me. So I definitely can't go any lower than Pleasantville. No, I think I, you know what he's not wrong with that, and I think you made a good point, and I think it's opened my eyes slightly because. While you're watching films like this, like you say, I'm sat there watching, you know, No No, no Surrender or American Ninja or, you know, with my brother and like, you know, like Superman 2, Star Wars. In everyone's houses, I think as you grew up with friends and family and that, we all had films that meant so much to, to us. You know, that, that was a bit like a, a comfort blanket, whether they were good or not. Now, as a kid, you were like, this is... Because, you know, like I said, there was no real computer games. I was into the Atari and Mass System Mega Drive, late 80s and stuff, but... This was films were the main go-to then more than gaming, I think, for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally respect that, Glenn. And, and it's interesting because uh, you think about some of the films we've said today that a lot of people are like, that is fucking shit. Or like Remo, I don't think it's a great film, but I understand the nostalgia, so I've got to give you respect for that. So anyway, a little bit of a segue there. What about yourself, Dave? Uh, sorry, I, I zoned out there. What was your score? 
Um, in Pleasantville for um, Glenn. no, Glenn did. But I thought, oh right. So I, sorry, I thought with that, I, I thought you were giving it a score as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, um, there was a waffle right. that much, right? Go on. <laughs> no, no, you know how we when we zone out a bit when yeah. when each other's talking, I, I was kind of doing that. So uh, yeah, I I definitely think that there is a big heavy dose of nostalgia. I think with that score. I don't think this is terrible. Now, I, again, I can't shake that feeling that it's familiar to me without actually remembering it. And I, I think we were talking last week, weren't we, that, you know, about only watching Usual Suspects once and, and that's all I needed. I, I can remember most of that movie. And I think with this one, the fact that I can't remember it doesn't say anything good. I think, you know, around this time, I'm sure I've told this story in the past. I remember, like, uh, we had this guy coming around <laughs> with, uh, you know, dodgy videos in, in the back of his estate. It was probably a larder estate type thing. And, and he had all these second-rate movies, you know. So he didn't have anything like Mad Max and um, Back to the Future or anything like that. But he had things like... He'd have had things like this, like Remo Williams. And I remember there was this one that... That I quite liked again. Another terrible one I've got in my back pocket, Chris. But one called Trancers, uh, that was from '84, and it, it just you had this this guy from the future, um, Tim Thomason, and he just had his hair slicked back. And I just remember his tagline was, you know, "Dry hairs for squids." He's this guy about you know fucking fifty or something, trying to you know be his love interest was a young twenty-something Helen Hunt. And it's absolutely terrible. But if I watched it now, I would just have such a heavy dose of nostalgia. I wouldn't be able to to call it objectively. So, but having not remembered anything about it and watching it for the first time, I think some of the things are ridiculous. <laughs> like, so the, the casting of Joel Grey to play a Korean, I would like to think that that would never happen today. Although that's a fairly recent invention, isn't it? You know, the fact that we'll, we won't, Hollywood won't whitewash characters. Um, and the fact that they won awards because they could make him up to look oriental. Uh, just again, it's, it's another relic from the 80s, isn't it? I think the idea behind this film is, is a lot better than the execution. As I mentioned before, it, it really comes across like a TV movie as opposed to that real kind of gritty drama that, that we might have seen from around this time. So I'm going to put it right in the middle. I, I don't think this is terrible. I am kind of grading it on a curve, you know. So, so I think if I wasn't, it might finish a bit lower. But I'm going to put it right in the middle. I'm going to put it in Hill Valley, Chris. Now, what about yourself? Nice. Well, you're going to be surprised, you two guys, actually, because you're expecting me to throw it right under the bus. And I've poked a bit of fun at it. However, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen, Glyn. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for you, mate. I'm not going to shit on it like a forward. I'm not. I think the idea, like you said, Dave, behind it is fantastic. A great, it could have been so much more than what we actually saw. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to put it to Elm Street. Freddy Krueger doesn't necessarily pop up in the dreams of Remo, Dave, but if he does, Remo will be there to dodge his claws. So I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't think it's, it's, 
it's a fantastic movie. Some great bits that made me laugh, which shouldn't have made me laugh. The walking on water and the cement stuff and the whole gun thing. I still can't get my head around now. I'd, I'd, like I say, rewound it a couple of times to watch it. And the, the delivery of it just doesn't... The idea is brilliant, but the delivery is terrible. And I just don't think Fred Ward is all that. But however, complete respect, uh, Glenn, that it's a film that means so much to you and your brother. So I, I can understand from that point of view where you're coming because there's plenty of stuff that we both me and Dave always talk about that just means so much to us a la Smoking the Bandit so yeah Elm Street I think, I think the reason 80s films hold up for all of us and have so much nostalgia is because movies were so much more important back then because we only had three and four TV channels and yes if, if you missed a film it wasn't going to be on again for six months so you kind of watched every movie that was on the TV sort of thing, didn't you? So that's why these things got watched over and over again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you're right. And and obviously, we, we, you probably like us, because I didn't have a lot of movies then. It was only when I got Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop, about 87, 88, for my birthday, um, that I actually started collecting videos. We didn't have a lot of them. That You, you just had to play the same things or record off the TV, didn't you? So uh, Unless you went to the video shop. Well, that was expensive. I was the oldest of... Well, then it was the oldest of five kids. My mum and dad couldn't afford it. I always had to go to my grandparents. So they'd go and treat us because we were not getting it at home. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, no, it's just brilliant. I mean, my kids, they're like fucking, oh, I'm bored. You know, there's nothing to watch. Are you fucking shitting me? I've got Netflix. We've got Now TV. We've got Amazon Prime. You've got all these terrestrial channels. And, and like you say, Glenn, I mean, I remember when we only had three channels. And and yeah, I remember, that's what I knew as well. Yeah, being a, a bit of an occasion, you know, Channel Four came online, and uh, when I was at my nan's, we could only get the Welsh version. So I remember watching Super Ted in Welsh, <laughs> but I was watching it just because it was something a bit fucking different. So yeah, absolutely, I think we had had much less to choose from. <laughs> Talking of Amazon Prime, what do you guys think of the fact that the new coming to America is going straight to Amazon Prime in December? Oh, is it? I didn't know, I didn't know that. that. I didn't. I only filmed yeah, it. I, I didn't know. Yeah, it's either on my birthday, the seventeenth of December, or it's the eighteenth of December. I seen it yesterday. Amazon's bought it for a hundred and twenty-four million dollars. <sighs> you know what? I think. I, oh, when did we discuss this one, Chris? Was it? It might have been on the comics one, comics podcast, wasn't it? I, I think it's going to be really interesting what happens with cinema in general uh, over the next year to two years i would say because i think you're going to see a lot more things going straight to video on demand and i think it's just going to change you know i i love going to the cinema i love the whole experience of it you just can't beat it i can't imagine and i, and I don't know do you, do you watch like the avengers type comic book movies glenn yeah i watch all them i go to the cinema for them but in some ways i, I mean i certainly don't want cinemas to die but I've got five kids, so a trip to the cinema, I mean, why five, <laughs> five kids is, is this crazy amount of money when you think yeah. I would quite happily pay £30 for any movie to come out on, on a streaming service. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think, for me, I can't wrap my head around watching something like Endgame for the first time just sat at home. Now, I've got a decent system at home, but being able to go and watch that at the cinema I, I just, I wouldn't have got the same kind of shivers, you know, when, when fucking Captain America's facing down the whole of Thanos' army and he just gets that, he's on his own, he's got his broken shield, he won't give up and you just get that little call, you know, 
from uh, from Sam. He goes, on your left. I just can't imagine I'd get the same kind of euphoric feeling if I was watching that on home, at, at home, even with the family. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I download films and I watch them on streaming services. It's not, all, not always legal streaming services, but my argument is I will always watch them in the pictures first, but then after that, it's it's a lot easier for me to stream them for my kids so they can see them early rather than take them to the cinema. I mean, I've got thousands of pounds worth of physical media because I collect all the steel books and things like that, but I don't even open my steel books, so none of my physical media ever gets opened. It all gets streamed onto my TV. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the way everything's going to go. Glenn, I've not bought a lot of DVDs and Blu-ray. You know, the last DVDs I bought were the No Shit, No Surrender trilogy. And I used to collect them. I, I had hundreds of videos and DVDs at one point. And now I've got a load of Blu-rays, but I don't really necessarily watch them. I just, if we're going to review one of them, I'll put them on. Because I think it, I always like to put the physical DVD or Blu-ray in if we're going to review it. But I'm the same. The streaming stuff's all overtaken. I mean, the new games consoles are coming out and I've got the PS5 and Xbox Series X. I've gone for the disk drive, not because I'm going to watch films on them, because the games, you can trade them and stuff like that. So I think physical media is just becoming less and less. I think you're right there. I think eventually, like what they're trying to do with the Black Widow and charge 30 quid like they did with Mulan on Disney, they're just going to start sending it over there at a premium for, for anything like that. All that happens with, with like collecting, like getting a collection of videos, then you ended up upgrading to DVD, then you got loads of DVDs, then you upgraded to Blu-ray. And then sooner or later, Blu-ray will get surpassed, like 4K is coming out now, and you'll get a collection of them, and then something better will come out, and you just can't keep replacing your collections all the time. No, that's true. So I kicked myself with the VHS stuff I got away with for years. Oh, does me, I didn't that did, did you see, uh, so Glenn wouldn't have seen, but um, so Tony, you know, one, one of our other good friends and uh, patrons as well, he's managed to get his hands on a copy, the original cut of Star Wars on VHS. Now, the fact that you can't bloody get that anywhere, you know, all you can get now is the George Lucas ridiculous fucking touched up uh, trilogy. So uh, for me, that would be a reason to keep hold of the original media. So, you know, the likes of George Lucas, and we we mentioned about E.T. and, you know, swapping the guns for for walkie-talkies you know we need to save these directors from their own films and fucking about with them and, and get those time capsules the original course is that the one with the human job of the hut uh, no so the original theatrical cut actually you know what so a new hope had so many different like little tweaks to it i don't know if you remember but you know it used to get shown at christmas and stuff all the time on terrestrial tv didn't it and it, it there'd always be like little bits that were slightly different but it was it was before the prequels came out so i'm sure it was about 97 98 ish because because phantom menace came out in 99 didn't it and he, he was playing about with all the kind of cgi that he could add into the movie and so that is the only, if you want to buy the trilogy now, the original Star Wars trilogy, you can only get it with the, the additional CGI put in there. And it's got the kind of, uh, you know, the CGI Jabba the Hutt. Now the human Jabba the Hutt, that was cut out from the original um, movie. I've, I've seen it though. He's just a fat bloke, isn't he? Just like, um, so yeah, I, I think the, there is some kind of online 
consortium that where they're trying to put together the original cut without all the additional CGI stuff, but you can't actually get it at the moment. It's interesting, right. Because I had, I've had a, the VX, is it the VFX version I bought. I think I said that to you in the group the other day. They're about ninety two. I got it on Boxing Day in Manchester with my, my money, and uh, that was the original one. We didn't have the thing where Han Solo stands on the back of Jabba the Hutt and stuff, does he? Like it's all that crap yeah. and stuff when he walks over, and that was all added in in like late nineties, two thousand. It's fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's, I had the original stuff, so I've actually got. I think I've got the original trilogy DVD, but I think it's the dodgy. Like the edited, like you said, the newer stuff. So, yeah, interesting. You're right. I think it, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking it was before the prequels. I think you might be right. I think he might have touched them up after the prequels, didn't he? Mm, I think he did, yeah. I remember I'd, I had them yeah. on video, all three of them, got rid of them like a clown. But anyway, so, Glenn, top man, thank you for today, mate. It's been a good laugh, this really good laugh. Where can everyone get you on Twitter, mate? Uh, you can get me at Real Glenn Davis. I, I tweet pictures of. I, Pictures, quite a lot of celebrities I meet and collections. There's a lot of people following me that collect steel books and are into Blu-ray and media and physical media and stuff like that. So if you're into that sort of thing, give me a follow. And just yeah, before just before you guys go and I go, uh, just to show my commitment, my wife told me to mention that she's waiting for me in bed and I've, I've given up to come and speak to you guys for an hour. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Glenn, get the hell out she of here. You can tell those two. She said you can tell those two that I'm waiting because of this podcast. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right, we better get off, right? So I think we best wrap it up quick. <laughs> right, so if you want to contact us, guys, at VHS Strikes Back on Twitter or Instagram, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com if you want to email into us. And if you do like um, the show and you, you want to support us like Glenn does, uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash last VHS strikes back and uh, we've got all sorts of tears from a pound all the way up to the McFly where we're taking you to Vegas with us and we're going to record for about three minutes and spend the rest of the weekend getting levered when we can actually get over there but uh, yeah so uh, thank you very much today guys it's been an absolute pleasure so Glenn Topman thank you mate Chris your email address is it the VHS strikes back at gmail.com just to send to that over podcast yes it is mate yeah Right, cool. I'll get you hooked up with them through this week at some point. Ah, good man, good man. Top cool, right. we can get, get our arse kicked on the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Glyn, Glyn, get yourself back in there, son. <laughs> See you later, guys. Take care, mate. See you in a bit. Bye now. Now, guys, just before we head out, we've got next week, which is Halloween week, and we put a poll out there, and our poll choice came out as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, for this absolute classic, I can't wait to put Chris through the ringer, quite honestly. And let's listen to our trailer. What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America.
This is the movie that is just as real. Just as close. Just as terrifying as being there. But even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's a lie. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, maybe you're stupid. 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 Stupid.